0: Friends, welcome to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. There's a quote from St. Francis that a mentor gave to me um, rather recently, but it has haunted me and formed me every day since I received it. St. Francis says, Start by doing what is necessary, and then do what's possible. And over time, you will find you are doing what is impossible. Friends, we find ourselves in the midst of a story. No doubt we find ourselves in the midst of a battle, in the midst of a war for many of us. And sometimes it can get overwhelming and dread can even enter in to say, what What the hell am I supposed to do with my life today? Like, How do I make the shifts? And one of the kind on-ramps to the narrow road through St. Francis, is start by doing what's necessary. What is necessary today to bring the change, to move in the direction of becoming the kind of person that has life and life to the full? And I find that more and more, as I do what's necessary, that becomes the on-ramp to doing what's possible. And then in time and over time, I find myself doing the impossible And boy, if I could tell stories of even just the last month of how many times I have seen the fruit of how that pattern lives out. In that spirit, I want to dive into the third and final part of a conversation that I had recently with Chuck Bolton. He's been a hero and a mentor, uh, an elder helping to guide me in recovering the ancient path. I recently took a big risk in doing uh, something to invest in myself. And in battling for the hearts of people, I often find that the one person I battle for least is me. And the long-term impact of not choosing to fight for my own heart and to receive the fathering and the love that I need to be fulfilled and sustained and strengthened so that I can care for others um, can really create a toxic atmosphere within me. And then it can come out from me to the people that I love and the people that I am intended to care for. And so in that process of making a courageous choice, I reached out to Chuck and I said, Chuck, Here's what I think I'm going to do. And it feels crazy, financially crazy, time-wise it feels crazy. Like, am I crazy? And he texted me back and he said, Morgan, you are the best investment. There will not be a better ROI in your life than what will come by choosing you. And at the time when he sent that, something in me knew it was true, but emotionally, I didn't feel it. Practically, I didn't feel it. And I needed to lean into his strength. Chuck is a man who has been at the bottom and he has faithfully used recovery And the culture of recovery, of recovering the true self as a rescue mission, a special covert ops to go into the lives quietly and hidden in unseen places and dangerous places, like literally physically dangerous environments to rescue people who are on the brink of death from the entanglements of addiction. And he rescues because he's a man who's been rescued. He's a man that has healthy boundaries and he knows how to say no. Chuck is a man that is increasingly aware of his inner life and he lets that inform him and guide him into the deeper riches of heaven. And so, I was honored to share a conversation with Chuck, and in this three-part series, I wanted to bring that conversation to you all. I want you to have the opportunity to grow as I am growing from sitting at the feet of elders, and this today is part three of a three-part series with Chuck. If you haven't listened to the first and second part, you will definitely want to pause and go back and listen to those episodes. But for those of you who've traveled with Chuck and with me, let's dive into part three and a conversation with Chuck Bolton. The 12 steps have been central to your redemption, Um, but it's a category that's Rather, that many people are rather unfamiliar with and you it's central to your walk with God. So can you walk us through it? Can you teach us a bit of what are the 12 steps and how does God use them to restore the hearts of people?
1: I would first say that the 12 steps, I would, I would really, really desire and hope in today's political environment, that a lot of our politicians would go through the 12 steps. Mm. Morgan, I think you would see so much more respect and compassion mm. on both sides. Mm. And I'm not to get political, it's it It's just changed my view and I've seen it change. I've seen it change a, a man that was an Aryan racist, mm. a man of the Aryan Brotherhood. He has a swastika and everything. I see this man love African Americans now. Um, I've seen the transformation, and so I, it, it is for alcoholics and addicts. And there's a lot of other A's out there, um, but it it really began years ago in Europe, and it kind of makes history is with Carl Jung, and um, uh, a philosopher, sociologist, and he advised this guy to go to this group of people that were forming. Communities, and it was called the Oxford Group, and they kind of written out some of these steps, and and it went from place to place. And Bill in America got it and really formalized the twelve steps. And make no doubt about it, the Oxford Group were born again Christians, and um, I was very hesitant about it um, because I thought it was a cult or this or that. and And I'll say this for me. I played the God game for so long, you know. I could, uh, I could try to, t- I could talk the game of my pastor, my wife, and all this, but, but you know, the twelve steps, I had to face responsibility of taking ownership in my, in who I named God and who was that God.
0: So you're saying, in the twelve steps, when it says, when it names God as the God of my understanding, mm-hmm. you're saying that actually. Has a respect of your taking ownership to say, who is God to me? Yes. Who have I yeah, allowed and God to be in show my life that later okay. in the
1: steps? Uh, I, I, I really, really enjoy the privilege. It's a privilege to be able to walk with a man that has completely different views than me. Mm. Uh, that's okay. Because remember, my responsibility is not to change that man. It's just say, walk with me. That's all Jesus did. Mm. And, and I'll. The Holy Spirit, I'll pray for him every day. And I'll allow, the Holy Spirit will do what the Holy Spirit does. He just wants me to be available. So, um, man, I've I've, I've walked with people, Scientology, Buddhist, you know, gay, straight, bi. uh, You know, that's okay. I just want to walk with them. Uh, And it is not my responsibility to change them. It's my responsibility to love them right where they are. I had enough shame on me. I didn't need any more. Mm-hmm. I just needed to feel like I belonged. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the gift I wanna to try to give other people. And it's a privilege. So I will go through the steps and go through some of my notes and please stop me anytime. Um, and I will say this again, for me, the 12 steps are nothing more than a, an organized process of sanctification. Another footnote. I am never done with the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. It's not like I do the 12th step and say, I'm done, let's go. Never. I've gone through these steps many, many times, and I'll show you why it's important mm-hmm. later. The first step says, I admit it that I am powerless over my disease, and my life has become unmanageable. In the first step, we admit we're facing denial. Um, and it's really unique with addiction alcohol, and it's the only really disease out there that tells you you don't have it. Um, you know, when you have cancer, when you have diabetes, you know you have it. Mm, and Fascinating. You, you, so you get the diagnosis, and then you're looking for treatment. In our brain, we're always saying, no, 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 you don't have this. You don't mm. have this. Don't worry about it. And the reasons it's so repulsive to most of the people is the behavior that goes with the disease. The lying, the cheating, the stealing, the manipulation, the attitude, the aggressiveness. That's why it's so repulsive to so many people. So anyway, denial, that tells us that we don't have a problem. We blame, minimize, compare ourselves to others and say we're not as bad. And we justify our actions. You know, I have to use because of my anxiety. It's one of the biggest things we hear right now with THC. Uh, it's good for my anxiety. I need it. And if people only knew what THC was doing at 22% THC to the development of the brain, I think they—that's one of my goals—is mm-hmm. to educate people more mm-hmm. on what's going on. Uh, so we have denial, then the stage of hitting the bottom, that despair and isolation. We realize we we've, uh, we've been living without hope. We find we become friendless or so completely disconnected that our relationships are a sham and a parody of life and intimacy. And this is what I pray for, for people that are into um, addiction or alcoholism. I pray that they get to this bottom where they have clarity, powerlessness, uh, that we admit that we cannot moderate or control our compulsive behaviors, even when they are causing us uh, to lose the things that matter to us most. We find ourselves doing the things that we we would never do if it weren't for our addiction, our woundedness, or our false self. Things that make us shudder with shame when we think about them. So we have denial. uh, We have hitting bottom. And then we recognize that we're powerless. And unmanageability is in relationships, finances, relationships, and health. Surrender. This is a key part of step one and where I came to. There is a huge difference between resignation and surrender. Resignation says that I will always be this way. It's that agreement that I am broken and can't be fixed. Mm. Um, That I have been abused all my life. I've I've been, and it's it's not going to change. Surrender is throwing up that white flag saying, I'm going to die if I don't do this, if I don't put the flag up and say, I need help. I cannot do this alone. So step one, oh, the the spiritual priorities, I mean uh, principles, I'm sorry, spiritual principles in step one. The spiritual principles, and these are the tools in our tool belt that I choose to use, are honesty, open-mindedness, willingness, humility, and acceptance. We could spend Hours mm-hmm. from all this. And by the way, each of the steps, except step one, start with we, that we do this together. Only step one is I. So step one basically says, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Power greater than ourselves goes back to that story when I was in my first meeting I was all in tears after the meeting. The mm-hmm. old man, Ed, looked me with his beautiful blue eyes, and I was teary. And he put his hands on my shoulders. He was about a foot from my face. He said, Chuck, we're going to love you till you can love yourself. I came to believe. Now, it was that power greater than myself, God, right? No, it was, it was, I think God used that man in my life to offer some hope. And so it, it is... A process of, of believing, and the really question is: I came to believe that God, um, uh, that um, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And We have to understand what insanity is, and and that is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. How many times did I promise God, if this, if 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 I can just get through this night, I won't do dope again. If I get through this night, I won't drink again. If, if and even today, Lord God, I never want to respond to Michelle in that kind of a tone. You know, I, I don't want to be that aggressive to the employee. I mean, make so many, so many promises. Uh, and in sanity, if I don't change the way I'm doing things, the outcomes will never change. Hmm. So I have to realize that I can be restored to sanity. Coming to believe, and this is very important, because it says coming to believe. me I mean, I came to believe. As addicts, or in our false self, we're prone to wanting everything to happen instantly. We have to understand that this journey is a process. Mm. In step two. So step two, I mean step one says I can't. Step two says he can. Step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. This is really important for me when I was in prison made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. This could be salvation, but for me, it is a continual process of yielding and trusting. Of yielding and trusting. Making this decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God is one we will make over and over and over again. We so so easily go back to our old coping mechanisms when we forget when we get complacent in our recovery or and our walk with the Father, what that says is that because my old coping mechanisms, self-protection mechanisms, for instance, uh, if I feel like somebody's challenging me, I bow up. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm a move you against. You get big, yeah. And my false self, you're vernacular, mm-hmm. and my false self, I'm a move against. And instead of Slowing down and try to understand them. So it, it is my old coping mechanisms come so easy because I practiced them over the years and years yes. out of self-protection of what I thought. Instead of saying, my father has something better for you, Chuck, and hearing that voice and living through that. So I, I have to die to myself and trust in the care of God. And, and that's... A big part of this.
0: So you're saying that there's a difference between a reaction and a response that the reaction is the, the, the man you've become, you need to die to that's Uh, self-protective. And the response is God, what is the better you have for me in this
1: situation? I have no good reactions in life. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I, I always pray for a thoughtful, caring, compassionate response. And, and that does mean sometimes I go against somebody, but it's from a true self. Yes. Um, so it is a response. Reactions are from that wounded wounded boy of mine. It's good. And they still happen mm-hmm. to this day. So that's um, – one of the things I wanted to say in step three – I'm going to keep this moving – is it says – We made a decision to turn our our will and our lives over to the care of God. What what what, what I ask people, because I have to ask myself and go back to my my past, did I ever feel cared for? Mm. And I can read this step all day long. But how can it sink deep in my soul and actually come through trusting that if I really didn't feel safe emotionally growing up? I'm not blaming anything. It's just a recognition. And, and I really didn't care for, and ever since I've been married, I felt like I had to care for everyone else um, You know, by meeting their needs financially or whatever it might be. Do I really – I had to ask myself this question. Do I really understand what it would look like for God to care for me, and do I trust that? And I can say over the 13 years of my recovery that this is why I still am practicing these steps in all my affairs. I'm trying to because that is one of the, of the things I've learned in prison, that he will care for me. He yeah. will sustain me. He He's kind. The feminine side of my father is so loving and tender that I could never, and I never want to get that with a light switch. I want to live through it to be radically transformed by this idea of him caring for me. So that is one of the reasons I will never be finished with these steps, that God reveals more and more of himself to me through this. So that's step three. First step, I can't. Second step, he can. The third step, I think I'm going to give him a try. Fourth step. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Doing step four is like peeling an onion. More will be revealed over the years. The goal of step four, and this goal scares so many people because I'm having to write down all of the things that I said I would take to the grave. Hmm. And I've, I've got to revealing. But the idea of step four and five, is to discover our character defects, the wounds in our life, the false self. We know that in our inventory, I know our inventory will reveal destructive patterns. And we can't continue to practice these same behaviors without uh, a great deal of pain. This means we may have to let go of relationships, resentments, control, and self-pity. It's huge uh, because we use some things Because we were hurt through trauma or whatever it might be, and we want to hold this anger against other people. Through this, we have to learn. I had to learn to let go. Mm -hmm. I also learned something in this that radically, we talked earlier about this, is that uh, my feelings that I have are very important because my feelings lead to thoughts, and thoughts always lead to behavior. Now, what does that mean? I I have a fear of failure. That, that I know that I have. And that that feeling that I get this fear that I get then goes to this thought that I, I can't let everyone think that I'm a failure, hmm. that thought. And what does that do? That brings into my behavior of intensity hmm. and, and tenaciousness that I can't lose. And so I have to recognize this, that this is a strength of, of a character defect in my life. What does the Father do in Hmm. that? What does he give me that's better? You're my beloved son. And we'll talk about this more in 5, but I have to be able to recognize this uh, because for me, and we've heard this, there's no healing in the hiding. Hmm. And so uh, this is what this step allows me to do. Um, And it's important. Now, We're going to address this a little bit more, and it's probably one of the most important things that I do for myself, and this has changed dramatically over the years. And I do it with my sponsees uh, three times as we go through the steps. Because if you remember, it says, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. The assumption there, Morgan, is that we really know what's moral in our hearts. And I write down and I get my, my, the people I walk with to write down what do they value and what is moral in their life. And do not do it because it's a religious thing mm-hmm. to do. What do you believe is moral? Mm. Because the reason it's so important for me, and I'm not going to speak to anybody else, because I have this line, I know what's moral. And when I choose to cross that line, two things happen. And they happen simultaneously for me, guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. I have a choice what to do with that. Guilt drives me to God in repentance. I I did wrong. I make amends. And it it drives me to God in humility and gratefulness. Or I can hide it, and that drives me to shame drives me away from God. It drives me away from people because it says to me, that voice, if people really know you, knew you, they wouldn't love you. Mm. And so it's, it's critical because if that shame stays in me long enough, I'm going to have to do something to change that feeling. Mm. And it will drive me to use it again. Mm. So it's life dependent for me to recognize this. And. One of the ways this changed about a couple years ago, I was going through this and just praying, um, God, you know, Psalm 139 just revealed to me. And it it was clear as day. I've never heard God just audibly speak to me, but it's clear as day. You need to go to Michelle and ask for forgiveness for your tone and your tension. And, And I went to her and I asked for forgiveness And I I don't just say, I'm sorry. I said, I am wrong for doing this. I need to take ownership. And um, and so this is one of the things that is on my value list. I value deeply gentleness and compassion. And when I am aggressive at work or with anybody else, that's acting in my false self. And uh, it's very important to me. Um, that I deal with it when I do mm-hmm. cross that line because I crossed the line, um, but I, I I know to name it now. Yes. So that is step four, and it's about really recognizing your character. Uh, you know, really starting to not only getting it out, but that's a private deal that you do by yourself. Mm-hmm. Step four, step five is we admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs, and and I can tell you, man, there's people saying. There's no way in hell I'm going to talk about this with somebody else. And, and I would say you don't do this. Number one, you don't do this with your spouse. You don't do this with – never do this work with someone of the opposite sex. Mm. Um, you don't do this – I mean, if you're not comfortable doing this with somebody in recovery that's a friend, go to a pastor. Go to somebody. Um, but it's imperative that we do this. Um, for me, that's my thought mm-hmm. and what I believe. Um, we are looking for patterns, as I said, our character defects in the actions. Um, we've got to, oh, oh, let me see, admit it to God. So, step five, we admitted. it. Um, the spiritual principles here again trusting the process, hope, courage, perseverance. And the verse that I always use on this one is James 5, 16. We are confessing our sins one to another mm. to be healed, Yes, not to be forgiven. Um, we have been forgiven already. Mm. Um, it, it's the healing, that part of I love you, I know you, and you belong. Mm. Step six, we are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Becoming this, – this is – the 12 steps is not – about behavioral modification, okay? Uh, Becoming entirely ready won't happen in an instant. It's a long process. To be entirely ready is to reach a spiritual state where we are not just aware of our defects, not just tired of them, not just confident that God will remove what should be, I mean, what should go, but all of these. And most importantly, we've got to trust that God will replace them with something meaningful, example, that I know my aggressive tone, and he replaces that hmm. with gentleness, and and I see that this is something that you know through the epistles that that I've learned you know that I take off each day and I put on. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. a choice that I make, but but it is not about behavioral modification because, in the end, my deep desire is that my King gets the glory. Um, of His love for me is transforming, not some um, not some behavioral modification. Now there's a lot of good tips and techniques out there, but the, the real transformation is me surrendering, dying, and then receiving. Hmm. The, the important part is that our defects, and this is it was important for me, our defects are basic human traits that have been distorted by our self-centeredness and our woundedness. And a good example of that is that we all need love. Hmm. But how do we go about receiving and getting love? Is there I said that females are manipulative with men or hmm. men manipulative with women? We use our money to buy a relationship, hmm. get a relationship. So with the character de- the actual need of love is not bad in itself. It's how do we go about getting that? So this is a really neat—it's a very practical way of sitting down over years with a man for me and and really discussing the deepest part of life and how we bring God into it. Spiritual principles here, one I always need is perseverance, willingness, faith, trust, and self-acceptance. Step seven, humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. The one thing I want to mention— this, we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. I know deep down in myself and what I trust and believe that if my God can raise a mm. dead man, he certainly can replace my character defect of aggressiveness with a gentle tone. Mm. If I can get out of the way and allow him to work. Mm. And trust in his goodness. And so it, it is really important that we must be sure enough of our God to trust his power with our shortcomings. We have to believe our God is going to do something with them, or how can we ask with any faith that they will be removed? And this is the driving factor, that the 12 steps drive us to learn how to trust and learn how to us to be intimate with our God of our understanding. That's step seven. We had made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. This is the eighth step, not the first. Most person people in recovery, they want to go. They want to go say I'm sorry right away, right when they get out of treatment. They, you know, first thing I want to do is go to my Michelle and say I'm so sorry for all I've done. She's heard that for years and mm. years. She knows I'm sorry, and, uh, and I'm sorry, it, sob. And what is it that? Causes yeah. So people? what I was told is do not say sorry or make amends for eight months to your children or anything. They want to see action. Mm-hmm. And that is something that they will believe. And so that's why this step is the eighth step. You have already worked through the other steps. Now it's time to start making mm-hmm. amends. And there might there will be some integrity in the amends. But the amends is very important in the amends process not to have any expectations. Because we have to take responsibility. That, my actions have consequences, and I could have burned some bridges. So um, I, I go over my amends with my sponsor, and we pray about them, and um, and we start making them. And you know what? It's really important. I don't have to go make direct amends to an old girlfriend. That that's not appropriate for me. You know, a, a girlfriend that I had years mm-hmm. ago. I can live out that amends to her about how I respect women mm-hmm. today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it is very important to go over amends with a sponsor and do it in due time. But it's also important because it kind of sets – it's taking responsibility yes. verbally. Yes. Somebody that I wronged you. And what you do with that is on you. But I ask for forgiveness and I say I'm wrong. And there's three parts to uh, the the amends process that's important to, for us to remember, there's resolution that uh, that applies. We find an answer to the problem. Mm-hmm. Resolution. Uh, restoration. We try to bring back to its former state something that had been damaged. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, that's restoration. Restitution, an act of returning something. And in, in act of addiction, alcoholism and all that. We steal. Guess what? We got to pay it back. Mm. It could be years. We stole a thousand dollars. We need to pay that back. And we need to pay the consequences. We need to get the slate clean. Mm. We'll go to step 10. We continue to take personal inventory when we were wrong promptly admitted that this is Psalm 130, 139. Search my heart, oh God. This goes again to my morals and values. I look at this each day for the first nine months. I had to write out mine. Um, I had to do my daily my nightly inventory at night. Um, where I where I went over the line. Now I do this, you know, at night, each night, in my head, and I make amends. This is keeping the slate clean, Mm. extremely important for people. The 10th step is used to create and maintain a continuous awareness of what I'm feeling, thinking, and most important, what I'm doing. Uh, Because it's so easy for me to feel this discontent inside, but I'm telling you, hey, I'm all right, I'm good. Mm -hmm. now. So it's important that what I'm feeling and what I'm doing are in alignment. If they're not, I'm BSing somebody and I'm not being transparent. And
0: yet, you would say there there are degrees of community of where you choose where you've deemed it safe to share that.
1: I th- the way I, I I try to live is that I want to be authentic with everyone, mm-hmm. transparent with fewer, okay, and intimate with even fewer.
0: I say that again.
1: I want to be authentic with everybody. That means hey. You know life's tough right now I don't need to go into my stuff um so authentic with everyone uh, I I want to be transparent with fewer in my Sunday school class that we lead and we teach I'm pretty transparent pretty, being tr- fairly transparent here but I want to be intimate with even fewer mm. it's really um, good um, and, and I have men that I'm really intimate with mm. and um, I cherish that um, so I, I you know I don't want to be self you know, self promoting by all this intimacy with people that don't need it, that shouldn't have it, that won't might not care yes. for that intimacy. Yes. Gotcha. Step eleven. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will force and the power to carry that out. You see if, if you know, if you have criticism of the twelve steps, read that step. We sought. That means I seek. I'm a seeker. Mm-hmm. I'm seeking you through prayer and meditation to improve. I want this journey. I want to improve. I want this process of sanctification in your life. So I, I, I know there's room for growth, God, and I'm here. Have me. You are real. You're human. That you are relational, and I desire that in my life. To have a conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge. This is all in the epistles. What John, what Paul prayed for. I, I pray for your wisdom, your discernment, your clarity, and and not mine, and um, of your will in my life. And, and I think that's so important for me, is that why I, I say for my children and and for myself, is I don't pray for happiness. I do I pray for your will, your kingdom come today. Mm. And if it if it deems pain, just give me the perseverance in your presence. That's all I need is your presence to walk through it. The most important part of this last this step eleven is the power to carry it out. And again, this points directly from where transformation happens. It's with the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Um, Your power, this is not about behavioral modification. This is all about the transformation of your power, not my will, but your will. Mm. The last step is very good step, step 12. After having a spiritual awakening as a result of working these steps, we carry this message to the alcoholic addict who is still suffering and practice these principles in all of our affairs. Mm. And this is the Great Commission. Mm. And uh, and it, the, the good thing about it, is it says, after having a spiritual and a result of working all these stuffs, it, it just takes time, and it says, and practice these principles. It doesn't mean I'm ever going to master them. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep practicing them. Um, and I and I think the last thing that I would leave on this, it says, all um, this we cannot keep what we have unless we give it away. And this is why I you know I, I have the pleasure of doing interventions and this. we don't charge for that. I don't. Um, I, I, I've been given so much love, patience from others, and freedom. I don't have a desire to use. And it's so hard for a non-alcoholic or addict to understand that obsessive compulsive desire. I don't have that. And I, I do have a desire and I have the tools to live a new way. And so, that these twelve steps started when I surrendered about thirteen years ago, and uh, and as I said, the second step of this journey, being in prison, and learning about my higher power, my God, my Father who cares for me, loves me, has sustained me, um, has I think has brought me to this place in my journey today. Um, to where I actually feel like I'm going with the stream instead of fighting the stream. Mm. And it's it's a good feeling because um, the circumstances in our life, mostly because of my poor choices. And I had... To deal with the circumstances in my life, and listen, God was so merciful that I didn't have to get the full blunt of my actions, but today, and it could change tomorrow, but I'm living presently today, Mm. that we really, Michelle and I feel like we're in that gentle, good stream, and it's a good feeling, and we want more of it.
0: So good Chuck. I my hunch is there are quite a few people listening and they're going, okay, you have my attention. I feel like I'm swimming upstream and there's a continuum of people. there's some people out there going i I have an addiction I'm I, I mean guilty, busted and the Holy Spirit's saying, it's time, it's time. And, but, but Chuck, there's a continuum of, there's other people going, man, this applies to me. I know it does. And I think I struggle with these, with, with these categories. What would you say to a person that's saying, I hear you, I want help, I'm ready to apply these steps, but they also maybe don't feel at the moment they have this full-blown addiction. They wouldn't be the kind of person as of today that would find themselves going to the Yellow Pages and going down sure. to Alcoholics yeah, first Anonymous. First of
1: all, you know, we had the privilege of stop digging our hole anytime we want. And um, you know, for some reason, humanity believes that um, we have the ability as individuals to um, to stop the ravages of alcoholism and addiction. I'm going to talk about a chemical addiction, porn addiction by herself. And, um, but, but the good thing about it, my bottom was not near as bad as other people, but I think one of the beautiful things I learned in recovery is I need to focus on the similarities and not the differences if I ever want to become healthier. And so, um, you know, my addiction might not have been as bad as someone else. I didn't get in prison for that. I didn't hurt anybody um, I didn't steal from anybody, um, but it was bad enough for me, and mm. I think that's a real question: is there a sense of restlessness? Mm. You might not be addicted, you know. I didn't. I don't know if I had a, a predisposition genetically, or I, I think I know where it came from with the stress, the tension, but using. I'm, I'm just grateful that I got help. Yes. So I, I think you know, there's many avenues that if someone's worried about, and I, I get it. The embarrassment of going to an AA or NA or something like that. There's Celebrate Recovery, which is a faith-based. Um, uh, you know that really deals with any hurt habits or hang-ups. Um, I, I, I and I even think that it's healthy for people to do some studying about the precepts of the Twelve Steps mm-hmm. uh, because they're extremely insightful. Uh, you know, Richard Ward. There's a lot of books written on it now, mm-hmm. so it, it is. I would say to that listener out there is and I mean this for the deep of my heart is is I'm sorry you can't share that with someone else and you're carrying that burden alone mm. I've been there and it, it sucks mm. um it's just I, I'm sorry that uh, there is hope um you know that's um, that's the, the really the quote the good news is allow, others to love you and fully know you um there is so much freedom in that and honestly morgan if you didn't know my story god could make something beautiful out of it mm-hmm. if others didn't if i hit it um that this is where i get to see how my father can make something beautiful really out of ashes and so that person that's listening saying hey i, I really don't that out of a bottom i say a couple things just give it time um and i and I, I'm, I'm give it time um because I, I know one thing with chemical addiction it's a disease because one of the aspects of a disease is progressive and, and I, I tell people that come into the rooms i said look if it doesn't work for you you know go ahead and go back out there because your your addiction's waiting for you and i've absolutely never seen anybody that went back out using drugs again or alcohol and say i like this way of life a lot better than being clean and sober never mm. and so but but uh, there's free will give it a shot be transparent be open mm. with somebody and that white flag is beautiful mm. because you know what it did it allowed other people I was other men in my life that i wouldn't let in it allowed those men into my life and allowed those men to love me and, and that's huge to, to fully know me that I'm broken. I cannot do this by myself. And, and I've seen it in marriages where marriages have fallen apart and the man is just broken. And I can tell, I, I, I can't fix the marriage, but I can tell them no matter what happens, I'm going to love you and I will walk life with you. Mm. I will not judge you if you get a divorce. Um, but I will love you, and I trust God will do what God can only do. Mm. And it, it has built tremendous relationships because the last thing I want to do is judge. I just – so the person that's wrestling with it out there, if there's discontent, listen to that discontent. If there, if, and, and please address it. Don't sweep it under the rug because you're missing out on freedom.
0: You have way with words, uh, and there's just chuckisms. There's just there's just these parables that there are these proverbs, Chuck, that you say that have stuck with me for years. Um, I'd like you to pick one that's on your heart um, for our friends out there and say this has been with me, and I feel like it would be good to share it with you.
1: I've got to focus on keeping my side of the street clean. Um, my job and responsibility is not to keep your side of the street clean. And it goes back to the 12th step. My responsibilities carry the message, not the messenger. And so I need to keep my side of the street clean. Okay. Uh, the, the other one that you mentioned, is, uh, it, it's a visual, but it's really important for me, especially with, uh, you know, if, if I live uh, with one foot, my left foot in the past, uh, with, with all of the shame and, and all the regret and all the hurt, and I have one my right foot spread out in the future, and I want to visit the future, but if I stay in the future with all the fantasies and with all the fear of failure, um, I'm literally spread eagle, pissing on today. And, And it is absolute visual what I have done for so many years is not live present. And what that means is able to come out here to Colorado to be with Aaron and you and friends and and not have any agenda but just to be present and soak in friendship um and it it has allowed me not to get caught up with having to close the next big deal cuz I got to get stuff it, it allows me to do the very best I can in my vocation and uh, and really focus on relationships today But because of the listener, and for me particularly, my past, and it's the hardest for me to probably practice, is the one that says, if I want any hope of a better tomorrow, I have to give up all hope of changing my past. And that is so important for me that I can't change my past, but I absolutely trust that my father can make something beautiful out of the ashes of my past. And I've seen that. So it it allows me to live a lot more present today.
0: Friends, we've covered a lot of ground. In these three episodes... Of the Become Good Soil podcast. We have touched on a lot of topics, and my hope is that you'll go back and revisit these and glean more and more of the nuggets of wisdom that Chuck has woven into this conversation. In the meantime, my question is, what's for now? What is the action step that you have for now to journey deeper with God? What is it that's being revealed, and where is it that you need to go. St. Francis says, start by doing what's necessary, and then you will find yourself doing what's possible. And in time and over time, you will find yourself doing what's impossible. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to reveal what is absolutely necessary for me in my life right now that I must do in order To engage what you are revealing in the frontier of my life. What is the necessary? I pray that you would guide me and you would reveal, and only through doing what's necessary, you'd begin to open the door to what's possible out of your kindness and your fierce intentionality, and your particular care, might we move from necessary to possible to impossible. Friends, thank you for joining with me for another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. I consider it a sacred opportunity to, to be entrusted with this chance to slide into your world and to be with you and visit you and share this time as we together turn our hearts and our minds and our souls towards God and his kingdom and to the promise that there is more, there is more.